So we cultivation, um, practice towards clarity and liberation, towards calm and joy. Mm. Using using what resources you have. Uh, resources you have. Prime resource is going to be the mind which of which we've touched upon its its aspects. Sometimes you um, almost see almost like two different minds, the head and the heart, roughly speaking. And the head aspect, this is just colloquial of course, mano, that which scans the sense other sense data it's considered to be a sense organ like the eye or the ear the nose the tongue whereas the visual sense scans the visual field picks up objects and the auditory sense scans the auditory field picks up auditory objects why does it pick them up because something is searching for it searching for it is chitta it's the organ where intention, impulse, motivation, desire, good or bad, arises from and it moves out. And how does it do that? It it moves out through this organ called the mind. So you could say mind mano is like you could say it's the hand of the chitta. It's the it's that which extends itself into these fields and it selects. So sometimes you you know, you see things you don't. You're so intent on seeing things you don't hear anything. You're so intent on watching the movie that you don't smell the food burning in the kitchen. <laughs> right. You're so intent on a great idea you have that you stumble over something because you're not aware of your body. Right. That's so. It's it's every act of attention like this automatically excludes or diminishes other other potential qualities and even in those even in those fields still the motivation from the chitta very much affects what you see so you can imagine say a a botanist and uh, a bird watcher and uh, a hungry person see a see a bush and what does the botanist see? Oh, I see, oh, there's Lebogantria pyracantha, you know. And the bird person says, oh, look, there's a little there's a little bird nesting in there. It's a great place for a bird. And the hungry person thinks, can you eat it? Can you eat it? <laughs> Is it edible? What do they see? Yeah. They see in accordance with their wishes. Right. And this is a very simple, crude, coarse example this is happening all the time. Now, of course, also, so this is the motivation, the wish, the desire element of the jitta. Moves out into this organ called the mano, attention, which then focuses on particular discrete objects, even creates those discrete objects. And you look in your visual field, you see an unbroken sweep of colours and shapes but then what the attention picks up is that person's ear or her earring which looks quite precious or 
the person standing behind her who looks rather threatening so what 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 we yeah it cuts doesn't it cuts selects uh this faculty and then what is it also it turns towards the, the mono faculty turns towards its own data which are all the um, plans ideas memories interpretations wishes desires fears phobias uh, you know creative moments creative bursts epiphanies everything yeah in there and what, what does it see what does it pick up the ones that have the strongest meaning for me the meaning for me is a jitter experience that which alarms me delights me disturbs me in accordance with my motivation so i think about things that bother me i think about the things that gladden me i think about the people i miss i wish i could see again i think of the people I'm with who I'd like to miss and not see again. <laughs> I think, you know, it's, what I think the things that move me, <laughs> you know, and the other stuff disappears. So we end up living in a world created by our, our wishes and obsessions and um, good and skillful uh, proclivities, tendencies, you know, and they're not all bad. And you can you can shape them. How do you shape them? By not getting interested in the stuff that just annoys you, bothers you, obsesses you. Just focus on what is useful. So even the Buddha himself said, you know, I don't all the questions that people ask me, I say, look, yeah, it's, it's a reasonable question, but it doesn't lead to where you I can take you. It doesn't lead to Nibbana, so I'll leave that one aside. You know, we only got so much time. The questions that can lead you to Nibbana, I will respond to. Otherwise, just set it one side, it's just going to be more blah, 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 going on in your head. Won't get anywhere. What you perhaps need to do is to see if that topic is perhaps not, it's a cul-de-sac. It's not going anywhere useful. And how do you know that? Because you can feel the results in your chitta. Yeah, so, so this chitta is also is the where the impulse to notice, to see, to scan, to find things arises from. Mano does the scanning, places things in the chitta. The chitta then feels the results, and maybe it starts to notice. I've been with this one. You know, for ten years, it's not going anywhere useful. Why could it be? What's why go with that way? Yeah, you know, either turn your attention away from it, or you examine why am I still hanging on to this? There must be something else here that lies underneath this that I don't see. Yeah, you know, some unaware tendency. I don't have noticed because it's silly to be still thinking the same thought. It hasn't got me anywhere and I'm still doing it. So I have to look into why, what is the reason, what is the cause for that. And for that you need to calm the mind. 
calm the whole process so that the surface stuff starts to settle down and you can see the underlying tendencies which otherwise remain buried so this process in jitta has to do has to learn and incline towards calming uh, and this itself is a a maturation whereby that which seems so pressing so important and you no know, you've been with this a long time it doesn't go anywhere useful put it just you know onto one side or examine what's underneath it what supports it put into one side calming is the process of calming examining underneath it is the process of insight and these two are the processes that we undertake in uh, small and small matters and in larger matters in terms of our of our path to liberation and this is not just a simple technique it's a whole disposition there are you know times when we just want to be quiet, peaceful, calm down, soothe. Other times when within that you say, oh, let's have a look at you know, investigate the tendencies that I have, uh, uh, habitual tendencies. The and for this you're going to look into your thoughts, one level of it, your emotional patterns, another level of it. Another level, it which is sometimes not really touched upon, is your somatic tendencies. That is whether you're sort of jumpy person, and you, you know, or you get jumpy sometimes. What's that? Oh, just jumpy, <laughs> or or you, you tighten up, you get speedy. So often, you feel these somatic qualities, and naturally, the emotions come on top of that. One feels nervous or something so you also got somatic impressions and these may not have words associated with them maybe just uh, strange reflexes that still drive still have the power to drive your emotions your emotions drive your thoughts so these three layers the somatic layer is deepest most embedded and then this is where we feel tense very simply speaking we feel tense or we feel open we feel closed or we feel open we feel uh, expansive or we feel contracted we feel light or we feel weighed down and actually the body is weighing exactly the same but there can be this closing in the nervous system or jangling in the nervous system or the opposite could be quite comfortable places where you suddenly feel really ah yeah and on top of that based on that foundation various emotions naturally occur one feels quite joyful in a light open state Um, you probably feel intense or depressed or you know, in, in the contracted states and so on. So it's kind of clearing these layers. Mm. But uh, rather than have oh the idea I've got so much to clear, you just wait. You know, you'll find out, and you'll find out by scanning 
the whole system. Body meditation will show you all of these because the body meditation will include the somatics. So we're not just contemplating our thoughts uh, or even our emotions, also contemplating the bodily energies. And then you, you can't, then you're really doing a very thorough job. Of course, it's, it's a thorough job. Uh, and it's quite uh, d- demanding in its own way. But for, for liberation, you want to clear, clear, at least be aware of the whole lot. This is because we have a profound innate tendency to ignore, to not notice. And this is partly because the mano faculty attention itself is an act of not noticing that which I do not select for attention. And that's then you don't you don't know what you don't know. So obviously we see these examples of situations where where people feel well, you know. I, depending on your race so you, know, well, you don't notice there aren't any you know if you're a person of dark skin you'd notice you know right I didn't notice that all the you know all the people who are getting rewards have pale skin because if you've got pale skin you don't really notice it <laughs> you know it's just normal and so this kind of unconscious racist bias can be there where you don't really notice uh, 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 and things of this nature. Uh, I think one, many, but well, this is just one example. There are many things we don't notice because we we don't know what we don't know. And really, what you have to notice is not every material thing, but notice all the karma, the karmic effects. That is, the particular your particular tendencies. I don't notice, you may not notice that you're rather demanding because to you that's normal. <laughs> you, may, you may not notice that you may not notice that you're rather um, you know you don't cooperate because to you that's that's normal, that's the norm. Uh, you may not notice that you're the one who always does all the work because you you're you know, you're, you're an over responsible person. To you that's normal. This is why it's so helpful to be in sympathetic communities whereby you know you can begin to see how you differ, not to say to criticize or one is better than the other, to say, Oh, this is my tendency. She doesn't do that. How come I'm getting so stirred up and she's pretty cool? What's going on? You know, we notice, oh, this is my tendency, or well, that's her tendency. And then what needs to be explored here? So a profound ability to, to not, not notice. And of course, in other features, we tend to be with the people who've got the same kind of obsessions or interests. That's why, you know, kind of random communities and mingling and mixing is, is so helpful. You know, and you really begin to see how you're, how you're wired, where you get uncomfortable where you feel ill at ease because they're not doing things the way I do, or you feel left out, or you feel intimidated because, you know, 
I don't understand what's going on. They're not doing the things the way I do it. You say, no, this is just something you haven't noticed. Nothing wrong. Open up to feeling some of this disorientation. And rather than trying to plug it up with intellectual knowledge, you deal with that emotion, feel it in your body, and begin to settle, relax, smooth, brighten, open the body. The body isn't something we necessarily notice or give attention to in, in terms of our thinking. In terms of our thinking, we're always, is that a good thought or a bad thought? And we think about our thoughts. So we don't really get a, a reference point to our thoughts, apart from other thoughts. Whether your thoughts are better than my thoughts, or whether you, we, our thoughts agree. So we're just referring to thought processes. Uh, and this is um, really quite precarious because, uh, as we as we've seen in history and we see to the present day, um, groups of people can have the same kind of thought, and they're still deluded. You know, people get into the same kind of populist attitudes, uh, fundamentalism, one kind or another. And you've got a thousand people believing in it, even a thousand people believing it, it's still not wholesome. But their thoughts agree. But have they really looked into what's happening in the body? Where they're feeling pressure, tight, signs of brutality, the signs of, of um, callousness. Is the body open? Steady? And it's something to witness when you you can an argument with somebody. If you're in an argument with somebody, you can be sure that you're both right. She's right and you're right. She wouldn't say if she wasn't right, and you wouldn't say if you're not right. But just <laughs> your thought patterns are not agreeing. And you can't, you can clash swords with whose thoughts are best. But the best thing to do is come into your body, getting defensive, getting angry, getting... Let's just relax and what's needed here. Maybe just to say, I'm feeling like this right now. I think we'll pause for a moment and try and look at this again from another light. My head is not going to get the answer here. My, my thinking is not going to be the answer here. So use, using your body tell you when your thinking is driving you into unwholesome patterns rather than just put more effort into thinking it's going to save you also you know just in yourself where your thinking might goes oh I've got to get this done I've got to get this done I've got to get this done da, 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 and you and you believe in it what's happening in your body getting t- stressed getting tense getting tight and Relax that and look again. Mm. People will get lost in their thought processes if they don't have a reference to it. So with this 
two wisdoms, first of all, is to cross-reference thinking, emotion, and body. An obsessive thinker may not even realize their emotional pattern is aggressive. So into the thought. Don't even realize their emotional pattern is aggressive, inattentive, dismissive, because they're so into their thoughts. Uh, so such a person should be encouraged, encourage oneself on feeling that sense of a, a very intense stream of thoughts with no space around it, no just very full of it, well, just check what's happening in your body. And that helps to balance the energy. Instead of it flooding into the thought faculty, the energy is balanced. Then the emotion can be revealed. Often it's the case that the emotion may be the last piece. We have the thought, we lose our bodies, we lose contact with the bodily sense, and I don't really know what I'm feeling actually. <laughs> because it's buried. Right? The body helps you to reveal the heart. The body is the base that, that sits with the heart. You don't know what you're feeling. Go into your body, wait. Say, do you want more of this or less of this? Less of it. This means it's an unpleasant feeling. And if you, what's the unpleasantness of that feeling? It's pressure. It's heat. What's needed? Space, absence of pressure. Cooling. Then things settle down, settle again. We sometimes we can get to feeling, uh, you can't think, mind is stuck, just going almost in a panic state, can't think straight. You should have this understanding, feel what's happening in your body, walk up and down, feel your body, come into that. Notice tension, and then you can sense the emotion and use the body to handle the emotion. How do you use your body to handle emotion? You feel the effect of the emotion running in your body and you can recognize that it generally affects the soft areas of the body, chest, the abdomen, maybe the face. And therefore you should begin there but widen your attention to include your legs, your feet, your back. Palms of the hands, soles of your feet. Palms of the hands and soles of the feet are very good because they open and release. So when you have all that, then the body is opened and uh, then it handles the emotion. You don't. The body receives that, discharges it, straightens it. It's because the body is a balancing system. Its nature is to find balance. That's it. Without you asking it to, it will do it. That's its default intelligence. One of its, one of its default intelligences is the balancing sense. So there's the balance, and the emotion is moving, moving, moving.
It takes the pressure off and reveals the emotion. This is using wisdom for calming, the purpose of calming, and for revealing. This is how you get to know what you don't know. This is how you get to know the bits you ignored or forgotten or hadn't paid attention to. And then, oh, yeah, it's... Now, we can use this um, capacity, this, this general category of wisdom, which can be used directly towards calm or towards further insight. But all of these are to be handled with wisdom. And uh, if we look at it in fairly nice, simple categories, uh, your first kind of wisdom is to know right view. There are definitely results of actions through the mind. Every mental action, every mental engagement, when you get decisive engagement in your mind, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, you know, no. When you get one of those, there's a result. And you will feel the result. The result will come to you. You may ignore it, but it will get into your heart. You may ignore your heart, but it will still be in there. And people do ignore their hearts. A lot of the time. So this causes, eventually this causes tremendous problems. So, you know, if you've been a soldier, for example, many soldiers experience this uh, trauma. Because to go out with people shooting each other and bombs going off and terror and go out with the intent to kill people um, whatever the aim or the purpose and I'm not going to go into that still you know there's kind of things you have to have to not not pay attention to <laughs> there's things you have to override <laughs> but they still happen the fear happens and the shock happens and the, uh, and all that happens and the results And then you've got to clear it somehow. Sometimes people find it very difficult to clear these things. Trauma. It's because it gets into the from the heart into the body. The body has a sort of contraction or a spasm or a numb place that you don't even know about. So the right view, you're very careful, or more careful, recognizing that thoughts can arise and just but you don't necessarily engage with them that's the point doesn't mean you don't have thoughts it means the karma is the decisive engagement with a thought and you can feel something changes dimension it's not just a you know, stuff blowing through it's decisively engaging with it and then what decisive engagement the quality of that associated with good, loving-kindness, generosity, sharing, honesty, or the opposite. There's going to be a result. One will, they will both rest in the heart. 
the one, the good will lead to a brightening effect, and you'll begin to feel that in your body. Feel that your body feels more open, comfortable, calming. You haven't got the nervous energies that to try to put a cap on things, close things down, deflection, distraction, and then going off into reflexive distractions to just cope, to try to bury the uh, residues in the heart. So right view is pretty significant. Another wisdom faculty is called proper attention or appropriate attention. This is more associated with, um, well, with meditation or the preliminaries to meditation, but it's a useful um, tool to have working, to, to use your mind for appropriate, wise attention. Yoniso Manasikara. What do you give attention to? What do you give attention to? Hmm? What do you concern your mind with? Whatever you give attention to will feed straight into your heart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, be careful. We may have to attend to terrifying things, but then our attention is directed with wise intention. You attend to it in order to, your motivation and intention is in order to dispel that which is offensive or hurting people, rather than to just kind of get involved with it all. So another powerful quality of Yonisomni Sikara is knowing what to withdraw from, what to step back from, how to handle things. And this is just the learning. You learn the results because you get the results heart gets the results. So once we have um, you know, this understanding of the need to, to really feel things in order to get any perspective, uh, to feel things in the chitta, in the heart, before you can get any real perspective on what's going on, uh, then you, know, you, you definitely can do some learning. Um, so therefore our most important constant function is to keep feeling things feeling the effects of our thoughts and words and actions. Mm. Otherwise, you've got no way of knowing anything. You've just got ways of thinking about things and judging things, but that's not, that's not adequate. Mm. What, what is felt in the heart is the true determinant. So to open the heart, and so then, of course, this is one of the rationales behind body meditation, because the body is almost the material base for the heart. You know, the body's energetic system acts as the material base for the heart. So if you get the body opened up, attentive, then it's going to keep your heart open. Right? The body acts like the... I said the other day, you know, it acts like the web on which the heart hasn't got a single place that it sits in. It sits everywhere in the entire web of the body's intelligence. And it picks up. So if the body is open, you're going to, your heart is going to be more open. Yeah. 
So it's just that then body meditation, working with your body, is is really helpful. So just to get that understanding, really, because we can go into our minds and we can justify just about anything. You know, we mind, human mind can justify anything, can believe in anything. You can be completely convinced of anything. <laughs> you know, you've seen the crazy things that people believe in. Uh, and they, they're not, they're telling the truth to them. And you think, really? <laughs> so you just can't trust it. Because it's, it's, it dissociates, it disconnects from the feeling base, the chitta base, which is the basis of true understanding and liberation. So it's wisdom to know how to know and what to, how to keep knowing and clearing the basis that can know. Now the wisdom aspect, sati, just linger because some things are not known immediately. You have to stay with it. You have to stay with that impression and sense it for quite a while. It's not just a scurrying through, so calming. One of the functions of sati, or one of the requirements of sati mindfulness, is to steady and stabilize and calm. You think, well, the wise attention, appropriate attention, said, so don't bother with that, don't bother with that, don't bother with that, stay with this, stay with this a bit longer. And in our practice, and in, certainly in the Buddha's practice, I think to stay with long time, first of all, is mindfulness of the body, because this is the base. This is the base on which the heart is standing, and the heart is elusive. The heart is often hidden, uh, uh, slips away. So, but, so you get the body there, and then you open that up, you will begin, the heart will begin to sit on that, and you'll, you'll get an understanding of that. And just to do this, we recognize there are several ways in which you can keep directing attention towards the body, because the manual faculty in scanning the various sense fields uh, picks up their particular ways of attention. And the dominant human beings, perhaps the dominant sense base we use is the visual sense. You know, we don't have good noses like dogs. Dogs sniff their way through life. Deers listen through life. Yeah. <laughs> and their eyesight isn't that good. And they've got great ears. So to bats, great ears, not great on eyes. We're better on eyes. So the mode of attention that operates through the eyes is one of selective differentiations, particularly to discern an object, get a clear sense of an object. And it's always at a distance. So you get a clear differentiation of an object. That's the visual focus in which... 90% of the visual field is put aside and just that one particular object. And then the heart gets a meaning of that. Oh, that means 
food or that means person or that means uh, pleasure pleasure that would be pleasurable it mean you get a meaning from that you get a meaning from what's seen so the manas sees an object and the object gives rise to a meaning and then the heart follows that meaning or reacts to that meaning so it's quite a process now when we're cooperating contemplating the body you might consider that perhaps the most useful mode of attention to use is that which suits a body in itself now now we're not really interested in the outward appearance of the body the visual appearance and what i can make out of it whether i think i look pretty or ugly or lopsided or whatever is not really uh, useful at this particular time or any time really um, but when you say so when you're dealing with body energies and body awareness you don't really want to use visual faculty you use a tactile how does it feel so just consider if you're using your fingers and you detect say a cup in your hand What's, what, how, do, how is that detected? It's not detected, first of all, the detecting of feel. Feels cool, feel, and then the feeling of cool or pressure. Uh, hard, soft, smooth, rough. Many kinds of impressions can come from the tactile sense. Probably more than the visual sense. Visual sense, you see colour, form, shape, so maybe that's it. Tactile sense, you get heat and cold, still or mobile, rough or smooth, right? Uh, weight, whether it's palpable, whether it's flexible or inflexible, stiff or flexible. You get a lot of information from the tactile sense. It's an extremely intelligent sense in its own way. And it's very direct. You get it because whatever you touch touches you, right? Whereas what you see doesn't necessarily see you. So what touches you touches you. Therefore, the chitta is really pretty much like that, right there. It's not going through a meaning. Meaning comes secondary. The first thing is: is this hurting or not? Is this safe or not? But you get a very immediate impression based upon the feeling. With a visual consciousness, you see something, you get the meaning, and then you get the feeling. So, right? so it's somewhat delayed. And the meaning is always sort of subjective. I look at the tree, uh, it's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. Then another day I don't notice it, I notice it at all. It means wood one day, it means, you know, something's going to be shaded one day, it's going to be something that blocks out my light one day. It means different things, mm. depending on where I'm coming from. Where I? But the tactile sense, not the meaning, feeling, immediate feeling, that connects straight to the jitter without going through the mind, through the manas faculty. So you can find yourself jumping away from things before you even really know what it is. Because the body 
it's got a reflex, it acts so that if you're in danger, you don't have to figure things out, you jump. It's the, you know, because this is what you touch touches you. What you see, you can think about, maybe, maybe, maybe. What you touch, you don't have to think about. You know, you want to get an immediate reaction to it because it's very close. This is just basic structure of our intelligence, isn't it? So when we're feeling, sensing the body for calming, then you want to get use the mind more like a hand. Because then you, you skip the mental ideas of what's this mean and what am I and what's the point of this. You just go down to the, the feeling sense using the mind like that. It's exceptionally sensitive. It's also very responsive. So then we, you're coming to very close to the heart itself. So you feel something and you respond with either it, you know, and the response is going to be, you can then begin to transmit qualities of compassion or kindness, gentleness, firmness, mental intentions, heart intentions can then go straight into the body without somebody doing it, if you see what I mean. The mental intention can go straight into the body, into the body's nervous system, and have effects. Now I say something like kindness, which I imagine we'd all agree upon, is a skillful medium. So I might think, oh, I should, I should be kind. I want to like to be kind and gentle to myself, gentle to myself. Uh-huh. But that's a thought. So well, try to get that nice warm emotion going, then I can put that emotion through my mind, my heart. It's like, it's very indirect. But if the attitude of what it feels like, the touch, a gentle touch, uh, a a warm touch, sensitive touch, or a firm touch, firmly holding, you immediately get it. The body immediately gets it and responds. Because you always say so you, when you're reading these bodily impressions directly and allowing the response to come directly, yeah. just as if we're tipping over, we don't have to think. I think I should t- t- lift myself up. The body will immediately do it. You don't have to figure it out. <laughs> the body senses it and responds. So when you place your attention onto the onto your breathing body it's best to forget the ideas of mindfulness and um, ideas of calming Uh, to forget the ideas because they always tend to be indirect and uh, trying trying to make it work Uh, and the indirectness means it's a slow way to go Bringing your, bringing your touching attention through the body, just like you're reading a pulse or doing a massage. Mm-hmm. The heart energies and the body energies meet 
and start to mingle. You get a calming effect. Maybe we know we need to be a bit closer. Maybe we need to stand back a bit. Maybe we need a bit slower. You know, take our time. Or not be too mechanical about it. Right? Two seconds of loving kindness to the throat, three seconds to the shoulder, then this direction, that direction, and then down the arm, da 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 you know, like, when it's not a mechanical system. You feel where the need is, and you feel where the strengths are, and you start off handling where you feel strong and more complete, more open, more appropriate, more well tuned in. Get that quality, and then begin to extend that quality as if you're sponging that through the entire form. This is so calming soothing, smoothing out the jangles and tears and pressures in the bodily system. And this is the way that you you practice. Or you know, I'm suggesting you practice. This is helpful of course in dealing with um, you know traumatic places, places which are so closed down they're almost frightened of being seen. You have to just feel around very carefully. Imbalance. Sometimes people find that they're mostly in their left side or their right side. And you keep sweeping across from one side to the other. Until, so, because there are often disconnections whereby the energies are closed off in one direction or another. Bearing in mind uh, we work with this like in the 70% of effort. Because too much effort you're not receptive enough. If you start now, just get this cleaned up, sorted out, get myself calmed down, and then I can develop wisdom. This is the wrong attitude. Uh, you know, it's not like taking a scrubbing brush, <laughs> scouring things clean. Some things just have to be listened to. So that 70% of effort means we work with a mind that's doing something but also good amount of listening this is appropriate because you know it can be that the mind itself is just it's not the body problem the mental problem the mental problem is i'm much too impatient i'm too demanding or i'm too faltering and so i need to really know you know sense how the mind is operating and this place of body and mind meeting is a great learning place. By and large, people have kind of inducted into sensing themselves living in their heads, riding on top of a body that you kind of, you know, poke or push or drag along. Or, but it's very much, it's an it. And the me lives in the head as an it, the body to deal with. And this is really, if you, not, not appropriate relationship. <laughs> unfortunately that relationship tends to then um, uh, transfer to other uh, areas of, of experience to the dominating I mostly a thought mostly up in the head mostly telling people things and people how they should be and not really listening to very much at all <laughs> or feeling the wholeness of it so this is uh, for calming steadying and opening uh, 
Yeah. So you've got a reliable base. This is this is used. This is more the touching. And the Buddha talked about used the word pusati to touch. And he said, you can touch the deathless in your body, touch the jhanas in your body, touch the deathless in your own body, touches the deathless in his body. Which, uh, you know, (laughs) how do you interpret that? There's no means, when you come into that embodied experience, there's no tension, there's no tight places, there's no agitation, it's just cool and clean there's nothing intense about it it's it's simple it's clean it's it's at ease based upon this then wisdom faculties then much more insights much more associated with seeing so once you've opened the tissues then you can use this discernment to point to particular what's that about and this is much more not how to change things with with the samadhi samatha practices you definitely try to change things from rough or tangled or slack into something steady and buoyant with wisdom you're not trying to change anything you're just trying to see how things are this is that that's that that's that so you then you use that more the visual aspect that's that because it's that because the, the, the visual aspect has this sense of detachment you can see something and there's a sense of it's just that that's not mine it's not i don't have to have any uh, you know a, a kind of interaction with that it's just that's the way that is it, it's not you know, and it can be let go of uh, so in a way, once we've sort of cleaned and clarified, then you can look. At it. it opens the mind. You can see into the substructures and the obstacles to liberation are delusions. So with, with a delusion, you don't need to do anything about it, but to see it. Once it's seen then the delusion stops. It's like when you, to get rid of darkness, you only have to switch the light on. You don't have to take hold of the darkness and throw it out. You just switch the light on, the darkness is gone. Right? So these delusions, which are the delusion in the sense of that things will be permanent and stable, and that there's something going wrong because things aren't personal, aren't stable. And that, well, but things are changeable. And the stability that you're looking for is present in the steadiness of your own heart. Phenomena are a tendency to be unsatisfying, break down, changeable. Um, Collapse, uh, don't don't support, need supporting. That's the nature of phenomena. When this is seen rightly, you know, rather than, oh no, suffering because everything. But that which sees is not a phenomenon. 
It's, it's a knowingness. It's not a phenomenon. It's not a thought. It's not an idea. It's not a person. It's not anything, a thing at all. It's the seeing. The seeing <laughs> isn't going to break down <laughs> because it's not a thing. It's not a phenomenon. So, we, we, so the Buddha says, I see suffering, but I'm not suffering. I just see it's there. It's the nature of phenomenon. But I'm not suffering. It's not because that the, the disengagement occurs. The, the delusions are not that things are suffering, but that we expect them not to be. We expect things not to break down. We expect things to work on time. Yeah. We expect to be healthy all the time. And so on and so on and so on. Not self. Yeah. We search or we imagine there's a self that I could understand and get clear, and a self who could be, you know, properly balanced. And when we're looking into the nature of mind, we recognize there's a thought, a feeling, an emotion, a perception, a meaning. They come and go, they change. Um, what's it got to do with me? <laughs> or, you know, what, the witnessing, the knowing, is not a thought, or a perception, or a meaning. It's just clarity. Mm. Yeah. You ever get that clarity when you just realise you've been going in the wrong direction for the last ten years? And you think, oh, yeah, that was that. <laughs> yeah, that was that. Was that. Yeah. So, yeah. Why? I don't think it was that. Now it's seen. There's no, I should have, I shouldn't, I should, now I, what fool I did. No, it's just that. And passes. I did something stupid 15 years ago. Yeah, everybody does something stupid. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, what causes the disengagement is not a lack of attention or that, but the, 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 the heart. And the, the embodied heart is no longer entangled in that impression. And that's what the calming does. And then the wisdom can see it's just a memory. You know, this is the way we, we end karma. Through witnessing the old karma, the old habits, as just that. It's no longer got any heat in it. It's no longer stuck inside my, my heart. For it's the heart has opened out of that. So these are some, you know, things you maybe one or two things you can practice with here. And say do um, it's a simple, you know, technical point. It's just if you're practicing embodiment, you know, really use as if your mind is like a hand. And sense how much pressure you need, how you need firming up, we need to have a very 
kind of open hand or you need to deal with things quite delicately or we need to just kind of pat things steadily yeah. or you need to keep placing your attention steadily that 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 we need to hold it there yeah. we need to soften relax so you're gradually almost shape shaping up a, uh, a dumber body or a proper body or body of uh, your balanced body and this this is the short way <laughs> this is the quick way to, to dealing with the complexities of mind and when you this you you can really see the bits that need to be seen and revealed and seen as that rather than me so let's continue some practice I encourage you anyway to continue um, using the time uh, standing walking sitting uh, continue practicing we will take um, if you want to take a half an hour or so um, uh, just to change posture to do some walking and then we might come back for the last 30 minutes sit together uh, focusing on elements or breathing okay practice well <laughs>